0: Taking back control so that you can start living the life you choose and not the one chosen by your fears Hello and welcome to episode 346 coming at you today from a very cold but not so snowy unfortunately mountain Uh, I really thought there was going to be some snow coming today. We've come away for for the weekend and uh, we're intending to do some skiing. And uh, yeah, it might still happen. But unfortunately, not going to be quite as much snow. Probably too much ice instead, which if you have done a bit of skiing, it's not really the ideal scenario. Anyway, still nice to be up here in the mountains. And uh, if you are struggling with OCD or anxiety uh, over this festive period, uh, Christmas is is fast coming up now, and you would like some help with that, well, you can get a free session with me. To get that, you can head over to my website, robertjamescoaching.com. And there, you can book in for that free session directly, or if you prefer, you can send me a message and uh, let me know about what you're struggling with. Um, in today's podcast, I speak with Angie Reed, who is a driven and devoted mother of three who had a massive stroke at age 46. She had a career she loved and thrived in, one she never expected to be ripped away. Uh, from without warning. Following more than 25 successful years as a public relations professional she took a career detour and co-authored a book about marketing to Gen Z. She had plans of traveling the world to speak about this topic but the universe had other plans. After her stroke She was plagued by post-stroke anxiety, PSA, and post-stroke depression, PSD, and had to use every resource available to survive the lies her brain was telling her. Today, Angie is back in fighting form. She has returned to, uh, to the communications career she so thoroughly enjoys, and now Angie is sharing her story and the tips and tools that helped her survive. Uh, to help as many fellow stroke survivors as possible, because nobody has to struggle alone. There is hope, um, and we cover obviously a lot of different grounds here. We we go into um, you know Angie's story of having the stroke and how it impacted her and her life and her career. Um, and obviously, we we really unpack her struggles with anxiety. She's an author. Um, you know, she, she's written about her struggle with, with anxiety and depression following the stroke. And so she has a lot of really amazing insights and tips to, to share with you. Uh, she's also a big fan of acceptance commitment therapy, which is obviously something that we speak about a lot on this podcast. So, you know, I really hope that you enjoy. If you have any questions at all about anything that we speak about, uh, do please let me know. And uh, if you'd like to find out about Angie, uh, you can uh, find her online at www.angiereadbooks.online. You can also find her on Facebook. All the links will be in the show notes. So many thanks, guys. And off we go. Hi, Angie. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: It's great to have you on. So to uh to start off with can you just tell us uh, a little bit about yourself please
1: yeah I'm 53 I had a stroke at 46 that threw my life into a complete tailspin I was normally a healthy vibrant woman I've always taken really good care of my health I never had any kind of health problems before that so it was completely out of the blue and um I've always worked in communications. So I have about a 30 year career in corporate communications, public relations and marketing. And when I had my stroke, it like blew up um, basically everything I was doing career wise, because I didn't know if I would be able to return Mm. and just, you know, a lot of things happened from there.
0: Yeah. Okay. So. Obviously that must have been uh, a really difficult uh, and shocking experience to to kind of have that stroke and you know for it to come up out of the blue how did you how did you deal with that initial shock and uh, and, and surprise at, at what happened
1: Yeah you know in the beginning from the very start it just was so surreal it was almost like having an out of body experience because I wasn't in any pain um, I didn't really believe I was having a stroke. In fact, when my husband said he would call 911, I said, no, don't do that. I'm fine. Mm. And, um, I think a lot of us do that. You know, we don't want to bother the EMTs. We don't want the EMTs to come to our house or the ambulance, yeah. um, thinking, I mean, cause it was happening to me as I was waking up first thing in the morning mm. and I couldn't talk. I couldn't, like I was garbled. Um, my speech was garbled because, because my husband asked me what I was doing. I was moving the bed a little bit because I was trying to get up and get ready for work and I couldn't, and it didn't make any sense to me. I didn't, I wasn't scared. I wasn't, um, I don't know. I didn't know what was happening to me. It was just, it was all happening so fast. It just was kind of surreal. Like I said, it just, I, I didn't know what was happening to me. And I think, you know, it took me probably, until close to when I got out of the ICU about four days later to to understand that I had really, you know, this was really life changing. But I was really lucky because my husband called 911 so quickly when he noticed that my speech was garbled, that I couldn't move anything on the left side of my body. And that that I, my face was kind of drooping on the side. He tur- he had gotten up and turned on the light. And so I had all of like the telltale signs of having a stroke. And he mm-hmm. called 911 so quickly. Quickly, that I was able to get really fast intervention. I was able to get surgery really fast to remove two clots in my brain, and then oh. after surgery, I was able to move my left arm a little bit, and it was almost miraculous. It was kind of like I one minute couldn't move, the next minute I could after after surgery. Um, but I'm so lucky because honestly, my recovery was pretty miraculous. I Went through a couple of uh, months of physical, occupational, and speech therapy to get my to get my facilities back and be mm. able to to move and function. Mm. And once I had that, I thought I was I thought I was set. I, you wouldn't know by looking at me that I had a stroke. I don't have the yeah. typical tells. Uh, but what really had the biggest impact on me was the resulting anxiety and depression that. Mm. Um, wreaked havoc on my brain from having having a stroke. There are two conditions called post-stroke anxiety, PSA, and post-stroke depression, PSD. Mm. And they don't really warn you about these as they're dismissing you from the hospital. Although I did have either a doctor or a nurse tell me, watch out for signs of anxiety and depression because it can be common with stroke survivors. Well, I, since I had never really suffered from either condition, I didn't know what the signs would be I mean, for anxiety and depression. And so when I went back to work and tried to go back to my high powered communications uh, career, I couldn't function the way I normally had before. My brain wasn't working at the same speed uh, and I was having anxiety and didn't know it, but it was just, it was becoming debilitating. I ended up having to go back on uh, disability leave after a few months because of my my mental health, I say I had a nervous breakdown because I completely broke down and I couldn't function. and it was very scary.
0: Well, it's not surprising in a way, no? I mean, after you go through uh, such an upheaval, such a difficult experience um as as having a stroke, which you know, can completely turn your world upside down, uh, you had to have that surgery. And so without that surgery, what what would have what would have happened
1: mm. well i probably would have died um or i would be left with severe disability but because there were two clots and they were blocking oxygen getting to my brain you know those brain cells died and i if i had lived in a smaller town i probably wouldn't have gotten the same medical intervention mm. and um it could have been disastrous i don't like to think about it Honestly, but the thing is like with, with a brain injury, yes, you've got one, the traumatic event that, so it's just going through a traumatic event can give you some anxiety and depression, but also your brain changes, the biochemistry of your brain changes with a stroke or with a brain injury. So it can cause anxiety and depression without it being necessarily tied to the, you know, remembering the traumatic event.
0: Mm yeah absolutely okay so you know um incredibly lucky that that you were able to to to, to get that surgery and um you know and and actually uh, despite all of these challenges you you've managed to kind of come out of this and like you say i wouldn't have any idea whatsoever that you've mm-hmm. had a stroke um but internally uh for you It sounds like it was, you know, the the stroke was just the beginning of the story. And actually, there's been uh, so many challenges that you've had to go through, not just with the, uh, you know, learning how to 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 use all of your uh, your motor neurons again and get everything working again. But actually, you know, that upheaval with with the uh, the anxiety and and the depression. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, and so what what. What helped you then to to be able to, to kind of get through this? Because, yeah, it sounds like it must have been incredibly, incredibly hard.
1: Yes, it was. I mean, anybody who struggles with clinical depression or anxiety knows how hard it is. I'm so I'm sure your listeners know that I had to be hospitalized twice. I had to be inpatient at mental health two two mental health facilities about three months post stroke. Um, I was admitted because I was in crisis. Hmm. I mean, I was, I was suicidal. I was not functioning. I, my brain wasn't working right. My brain was lying to me and because I had just written my first book and my brain was telling me my book was horrible and it was a piece of crap. And what business did I have to write a book and just like horrible, Hmm. like imposter syndrome on steroids, really? Yeah. Um, And I, I had panic attacks upon panic attacks, and I just, I couldn't function. So I had to, like I said, I had to be admitted to a couple of inpatient mental health facilities. I spent a total of 15 days um, in mental health facilities. And after that, I mean, when you get out of a mental health facility, they only exist to help make sure you make it through the crisis and then try to help set you up with resources after your release, to help manage your mental health and mm. and mitigate, and so I started an intensive outpatient program, mainly targeted for anxiety, but also depression. Um, it was a six week program. It was three nights a week, three hours at a time. It was a group session kind of program. And in that in those sessions, we learned different tools like te- and techniques for managing your your mental health. They, it was based on the ACT uh, acceptance commitment therapy. Uh,
0: mm. Fantastic. I'm struck. very, very familiar with that. Uh, on this podcast, we, we spend a lot of time talking about uh, ACT. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Fantastic. And
1: so it was based on that. And after mm. six weeks of intense therapy, and again, I was on disability again. So really, my my full-time job became therapy. And then um, I started going to a therapist uh, by myself beyond the intensive outpatient program. Um, So I was going to her twice a week for a while. Mm -hmm. I also found a psychiatrist that was very helpful in diagnosing me and prescribing medication um, I didn't want to go on medication for mental health, but honestly, my family, it runs in my family, mental health um, mm. issues, mostly anxiety, but also depression kind of depends on what side of the family you're looking at. And everybody, pretty much everybody in my family is on some kind of medication. So there's really no, I've never felt like there was a stigma around it or anything that would keep mm. me from it. I just was tired. of I didn't want to have to take a bunch of medications. But once I met with my psychiatrist who is very, very good. And the first thing he said to me was, we will figure this out together. Yeah. And the fact that he said together made me feel like I was not alone. And, um, so a combination of, you know, we tried a bunch of different medications uh, that some worked, some didn't at all. And, um, I also had to have medication to help me sleep because I had horrible insomnia. And some medication to help me eat because I also wasn't eating. And when you have a brain injury, you need sleep and you need nutrition. Mm. And I wasn't getting either. And yeah. those were playing into my mental health. Those were, you know, making everything worse. So I had at one point, I think I was taking nine different medications, Oh wow! but probably four or five of them were for my mental health. And um, it took a while. There was a lot of trial and error to get to the right combination to where I felt like, okay, yep, yeah, okay. I, I feel like I can handle this on my own. Um, but, you know, learning lots of different tips and tricks that I just have to do. And I continue to do, to do even when my mental health feels really strong, um, just to make sure that it stays that way.
0: Okay. Now you've been able to reduce that medication then today.
1: Some somewhat. Yeah. I mean, I'm still, I'm nervous to take myself off or to wane off of any of the psych meds because I'm in such a good place and it could be because of the medicine Mm. and I don't want to rock the boat I don't want to to do anything that might you know that might jeopardize that
0: yeah yeah okay um and what was so helpful about um acceptance commitment therapy then the the because it sounds like that that was quite a big part of this uh this story of the turnaround that you you've been able to to have in your life since you know since having the stroke
1: you know, I think probably the whole acceptance piece of it and and not trying to cure myself, but to say, OK, I have anxiety, but I can learn how to live with it, how to keep it as a backseat passenger in my car mm. and to, you know, but that, yes, I have had some bad things happen to me, but that doesn't have to be my narrative mm. and to really to focus on my core beliefs and how to you know, how to align my life to fulfill my core beliefs and my, my goals. Hmm. Um, I don't remember. Sorry. And I'm sorry. I don't remember specifically because this was now six years ago and my brain, I have horrible memory issues too, because of the stroke, but.
0: Okay. Yeah. 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 It's uh, it's, it's one of those things. I think acceptance, commitment therapy, it, it, it really helps obviously with, with the acceptance um, and then in this situation, I think acceptance is incredibly important, though. No? Um, but also it's, it's that alignment with values. Um, and right. it, you know, you, you just mentioned there, you know, it kind of helped you to prior- prioritize your, your goals and, and get clear on those things. And it, it sounds to me like that's been a big part of your story of, you know, actually. Uh, rather than allowing this experience to to bring you down and to, to get lost in it and uh, to feel awful about it happening to you, it seems like you've made the most out of the challenge in a way. Um, you know, it's an incredibly hard thing that happened to you, but you've actually, you know, taken that situation, it seems, and you've kind of turned it around.
1: Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I have my moments. I definitely have my moments where I feel low and my, mm. I feel like I don't have confidence or that I'm, you know, I feel sorry for myself a little bit. I just, I allow myself a little bit of a pity party every now and then. And that, but I don't allow myself to stay there because mm. I can't go back to that dark no, or er, that dark period of crisis where I was considering taking my life. And that scares mm. the crap out of me. So Mm -hmm. whenever I'm feeling really low, I usually let myself experience it for an hour or two, maybe. And then I do something to pull myself out of it. So I've got like a bunch of different tricks that I use that I call mental health hacks. Uh, So I wrote a little book called Mental Health Hacks, 10 Mm -hmm. Easy Hacks to Help Manage Anxiety and Depression. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you talk about a lot of these on the podcast, but journaling, meditating, exercising, Mm -hmm. fresh air, music, uplifting music getting into a routine and staying in a routine. So a lot of times I notice when I get more anxious or a little bit more down, it's because I, I don't have, or I'm out of my normal routine.
0: Mm. And so,
1: and that routine, my morning routine starts with meditation, journaling and gratitudes. And sometimes every other day or so exercise. So, um, and when I, when I feel myself slipping, I add those, I make sure that I'm adding all of those things to my day and something to keep my hands busy. Cause when you keep your hands busy, it's hard to stay anxious or stay depressed. Mm. And, um, so those are just some things that I do to manage it, but don't get me wrong. I have my moments. Everybody Mm. has their moments. That's just life, right?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, anxiety is like that, you know, whether Mm -hmm. we like it or not, anxiety is a part of life. And sometimes anxiety comes up and it's worse. And if we dwell on that and get angry about that, then we get into non acceptance and it starts getting even worse again. Um, right. You we know, actually, it's if we take, whole... yeah, sorry, it's that got...
1: hamster wheel thing and, mm. and it's hard to get off. But one of the things they taught in this uh, outpatient program was to name your feelings so and give them a, an actual name. So when anxiety comes up, I named it Agatha. So uh, my my anxiety has a name. It's Agatha. And I chose Agatha because it starts with the A for anxiety and also because it starts with my first letter, my first name, A. Mm -hmm. So, and Agatha to me is kind of an ugly name and I hate it. Sorry if anyone out there has that name, but to me, it's kind of an ugly name. So I gave her an ugly name so that I would see that she was mean and nasty and that um, she wasn't my friend. Uh, but she was along for the ride of life. But I would always when Agatha pops up, I tell her to be quiet and I put her like in the corner or I mentally give her a timeout. And it's just it it helps when you name your feelings and you can kind of personify them and then decide what role they play in your life. Mm, and if they, you know, if you're going to let them you don't let them take the driver's seat. I mean, that would be crazy. But you have to acknowledge that they're there, and they're probably not going away.
0: Um, mm. Yeah, I really like that. I, I I do something similar with my clients, and uh, I think it's really helpful to recognize that 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 this this part of us that's related to this kind of inner critic, if you like, um, right. you know, it it's just uh, a kind of noisy neighbor, if you like, or a kind right. of you know, it it likes to pipe up, it likes to make noise, and it wants your attention. And generally speaking, all it has to say is doom and gloom. Um, Mm -hmm. It doesn't really have anything constructive to say, um, you know, and and so the best thing to do is, like you say, acknowledge it, because if we don't acknowledge it, um, then we start to kind of push it away and fight against it. And as we know, that doesn't really work. But By acknowledging it, but but not really paying it too much attention by, you know, refocusing the attention or doing what you were talking about earlier, all of those different things that we can do instead of fighting with the anxiety, it gets a bit easier. Right.
1: Right. And and then I always try to remember, too, that the whole reason we have the anxiety is to, you know, deep, deep down is to keep us safe. Mm. and then you have to acknowledge thank you agatha thanks for trying to keep me safe but in this moment i'm Mm -hmm. in this moment you're you just need to be quiet because i'm okay and i will be okay yeah so it's yeah there's a reason we have anxiety and there's you know it's it's um it's not you know not nobody goes through life without some anxiety but it just doesn't get out of control like for some of us
0: Mm. yeah anxiety is not the enemy like you say Um, if you can thank it as as strange as that might feel at times you know yeah but it is just a part of the psyche and we need to accept it because it's not going anywhere Um, and like you say if you're going to cross a road you want to have uh, anxiety you want to Mm -hmm. have that inner critic because it will keep you safe it will stop you from from doing something um, that you really don't want to do and so we we do need it but yeah learning how to quieten it down a little bit is is very very helpful in terms of having a a more peaceful life
1: right right
0: (laughs) yeah yeah okay and so you you've written uh three books did you did you say earlier
1: yes so i've written um let me see i think i have i've written three well four my first book is is a marketing book called marketing to gen z that's the book i was writing right before I had my stroke. And Mm -hmm. it really, that's the book that I was lying to myself about and my brain was obsessing about after my stroke. Mm. And um, so that book, that was my first foray into writing. And then I wrote my stroke story um, into a book that defines and explains the emotional and mental mental turmoil that Mm. stroke survivors can have. And that's called Invisible Scars, Mm. Stroke Survival, Recovery, and the Unexpected Mental Health Fallout because really honestly i read i'm on a bunch of different support groups online for stroke and Mm. every day somebody will say why am i even still here i wish i would have just died from this you know i wish Mm.
0: and
1: it you know stroke survivors do take their own lives after after stroke sometimes and it's just you know when you can't see it when you can't see the a disability it's hard for people to know that you you know you have these invisible scars and yeah. so that that book is really it's not just my journey i i talk about you know these conditions and people and also I, they there's a bunch of advice in there for caregivers on how to respond to somebody that's in crisis mm. um how to help them because when i was in crisis i didn't want anyone um just asking me a ton of questions like how are you feeling what is going on or you don't you don't want people to put a pollyanna positive on it just oh just smile more just you just need yeah. to smile more snap out yeah. of it you can't yeah. sorry you can't snap yeah out that's of
0: frustrating it. to hear that yeah yeah and
1: then i wrote another book well i told you the mental health hacks that's mm. i call it a little booklet cuz it's only like 40 pages mm. and it's just meant to be a real simple read because when someone's in crisis or having mental health issues they don't have the capacity or at least i didn't to read a long book I just wanted something quick and simple, so that's why I kept it really short. And then my next book was called Identity Crisis: You Are Not Your Career, because when I after I had my stroke and I could not go back to work, Mm. I struggled. I struggled so much, and it played into my mental health because I didn't know who I was without my high-powered, successful career. Mm. And when your you know your ego is kind of at play, and you you know you you just so many of us and mesh ourselves with what we do, and our Mm. titles at work. Yeah. And just, you know, I, I did end up going back to work um, several times. And every time it's been kind of not quite right, not Mm. the best fit. Um, And my, my brain has just changed a little bit. So I've, I've kind of refocused and recalibrated my career. And now I'm life coaching other stroke survivors to help regain their, mostly women to regain their confidence and move forward with purpose after a stroke.
0: Fantastic. Yeah. Well, that's what I was kind of alluding to earlier. You know, when when I was saying like you turned what is an incredibly difficult thing into a positive, you know, actually helping people who, who've been through a similar thing. I think it's a really, you know, really positive and amazing story. Um, you know, so that's, that's great. Um, if you from your experiences, you know, with, with anxiety and, and struggles with depression since having the stroke, if you only had one piece of advice that you could offer up to people who might be really struggling with anxiety, with OCD, with other mental health challenges, what would that piece of advice be? Mm.
1: It's hard to pick just one, but probably the thing that I see helping people the most is get into a routine and stay in your stay in a routine um, having routine helps the anxious mind because it makes it feel like it's more predictable life is more predictable or your day-to-day activities are more predictable mm. and less scary if you have a routine and you stick to it and um, for me that was the hardest part too when when I've lost jobs or gone back and forth um, with my career is that when you're not going to work, you know, five days a week, eight to eight to five, or whatever it is, it, you don't have a routine. So you have to establish a, an alternate routine. And getting out of the house is really important. Um I think, so I think that's probably my number one, but also to tell people that you are enough, you are enough, as you are, you do enough, you are enough.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think those are both really important things, routines, they just really help. No, it, it's when you have that structure and particularly if you're doing things like you were talking about, like meditation, for example, or exercise or whatever it is that that you're doing, that, that definitely really helps. And uh, I think the, the, the other thing you just mentioned is also related to uh, when we were talking about kind of uh, personifying that, that inner voice, that negative voice, and actually, you know, trying to bring some kindness to that voice of saying, well, thank you. I know that you're trying to help, but not right now. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and also this, this, the, the final message of, you know, you're enough. It's very much in line with self-compassion, no. And, and, and kind of recognizing that life is hard. Um, we're all struggling in our own ways and, um, you know, you've been through a really challenging experience, um, and have, have, you know, had really difficult anxiety and depression but actually you know you've come through that and you've managed to find a way of uh bringing some acceptance to that it's not perfect as you as you pointed out um you know but i think i think that's a really encouraging message um for, for listeners is you know we don't need to be perfect at this um we just need to keep trying and and you know, keep doing our best. And it is hard. But, you know, there's, there's a way through it.
1: Yeah, and I think it's also important to recognize that we have to let go of some control a little Mm. bit. And for me, I was always big on control. I always knew what was going to happen in my life. I planned, I was Mm. a planner, and I made go, I set goals, and I achieved them. Mm. And I think since the stroke. And some other things that have happened to me since I feel like I'm better able to kind of go with the flow and say, the universe has my back. I don't have to worry so much. I don't have to struggle so much. Just kind of let things come and, and deal with them as they come because, you know, anxiety is really about worrying about what's coming and we don't have control over what's coming. And when we think we're in control, guess what? Life slaps us in the face and says, no, you're not in control. And so it's just it's just learning how to to recognize that life happens and we just have to kind of ride the waves.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Fantastic. Angie, if people want to to find out more about you, if they want to get in touch with you, how can they Mm -hmm. do that?
1: Yes, go to LegacyCoachingForHer.com. That is my website. Or you can find my books on Amazon. It's Angie Reed r-e-a-d like read a book that's actually my maiden name um (laughs) and so it's not some kind of a fun pen name but it is angie reed and there you can find all my books on amazon but uh yeah that's that's how to find out more about me
0: fantastic uh thank you so much for your time it's been it's been great talking to you and all that information uh will also be in the show notes for people if you want uh, to find that so yeah many thanks it's been it's been great
1: thank you for having me